This is Damon, and you are listening to Ergo. You are indeed. What we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative. How are you feeling, Damon? I'm good, man. I'm up, ready to go. We're doing it. Let's let's get into. We got a really, really all over the place, wonderful, fantastic conversation. But first, just a couple community announcements. First up, the next edition of All Smiles. This one's at Emporium on. Thursday, it's a free show, 21 plus at 1366 North Milwaukee, starting at 7 p.m. And then on February 22nd, that's Friday, is the next edition of the People Say Open Mic series. This one is featuring Millie Mango. It's at 744 East 79th Street. And then lastly, on Sunday from 5 to 9 p.m. at Reunion on North Ave, MFM and Open TV are collaborating on a black queer movie night. So those are some things going on this weekend. Now, let's get to our conversation with Mr. Wallace. Amazing MC, label, collective, creator. They're the brain behind Futurehood, which is a collective and rap label and home for recording artists who are queer in Chicago. They just had a great showcase show as part of Red Bull Music Festival here in Chicago in November. And we talk about that and a hell of a lot more. Let's get to it. Yep. We are here. As always. Living, breathing. Mr. Wallace is here. Mr. Wallace. Bro, 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 bro. Hey. What's going on? <laughs> so, we always like to start with our, our, our now famed two-part question. Mm-hmm. In this time, in defined time, however, it's, it's reaching you right now. Mm. So, to this day, this hour, mm-hmm. this season, this year, this lifetime, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? That's a beautiful question. You know, I'm such a like nervous person that I like I had to listen to a couple of episodes <laughs> before I came here. So I was like, okay, girl, don't be stupid. <laughs> um, and I heard you ask that to Roy Kinsey, and I really love that question. Um, to take the pressure off, we've been stupid on the radio many times. So if you're stupid on the radio, <laughs> yeah. then we're just all in the same. Oh, no, I've done this before. So <laughs> okay. it's fine. Um, I've been stupid on the radio before, I mean, so I'm fine. I think like being stupid is like the whole point of life. Like, Ooh. just like. Um, Ooh. Like, people are so afraid of failure, and I think for a long time, like, I was, like, so obsessed with succeeding, and, like, the fear of failure, like, basically held me back from doing or achieving the things that I said I set out to do Mm -hmm. Um, by the time I was 30 or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I think it's really interesting, as you say, like, how to redefine time, because time to me used to be this very linear like okay by this age you're gonna have these things yeah. and by this age yeah. you're gonna feel this way and yeah. be this kind of person and like time to me doesn't really even exist anymore like i feel like i've always been here i always will be here whether i'm living or dead or in another body or in another form um so i'm just very grateful for like being alive and mm-hmm. or being present, like being aware, being hip. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I'm just very grateful uh, for all of the opportunities uh, that I get to experience life, this interview, yeah. radio, TV, fame, celebrity, <laughs> poverty, 
that's the that's the trifecta right there. I wish we had a close up camera for today just on the things that your hands will do throughout the episode. Oh yeah, my hands are gonna do it. We so had some much. double air quotes, we had some brows going. I just like that should be a shot in and of itself. Where are you talking to Roy? You were doing something with your fingers, you're like, Can't nobody see what I'm doing with my hands? I can't but even remember. Like, I remember you were like I, and I was like, Oh yeah, I talk with my hands too. It's funny, I was doing I was on mic for another thing. And I happened to see like someone had taken a picture while I was doing it, and my hands were like up. It, it looked like I was imitating a bear. Like my hands were like up like this, but I was just gesticulating. But they caught. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good thing we stay on the radio. <laughs> Wait, so I want to do a good job of like starting with the context because sometimes we we just get to rolling uh-huh. and like we want to make sure we know where we are and mm-hmm. like you know the, some of the, the the background to this conversation. So I feel like I, I still have learning to do because. I know that you are a phenomenal MC because I I, I was you. really moved. Um, a part where you where I was impacted by, by your work was at that prep party that mm. you had at Breathing Room, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which was just a phenomenal night. Like that it, was it, it was it was super turned out. Shout out to uh, yes, shout out to Eli, who we're gonna get up here at some point. Um, and, and then also the the creator or the I don't know the language. Would you be the executive the the founder, founder, the founder, founder. I'm, I'm, I, I've actually adopted um, Cool Mom. Cool. Ah, nice. the Cool Mom of Futurehood. Mm, that and, makes the most sense because I did birth it with a friend of mine, uh, Ace Boombab, and I love that. Language. I kind of like I'm nurturing Futurehood mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. a place where it hopefully will have legs and walk on its own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, let, let's stay within that language because. Uh, we will I, extend a metaphor. I, I am a I am a new uncle, so my sister just had oh, a baby about a month ago, um, and it was you know home birth, all natural. It was quite an experience. Wait, Christiana, oh, yeah. Christiana's had, had a baby. I don't Shout see out that to baby. baby that baby is the future. It is. He is. He is I mean, baby. just <laughs> talk about time. <laughs> Literally, yes, that baby so, is the future. And so we did the whole thing. We had about like you know eight to twelve family members for like fifty six hours, all types of doulas and midwives, and it was a birthing experience that mm-hmm. was planned that was organized that was ritual and so as the cool mom that has birthed futurehood let's talk about that birthing experience and and who midwifed how was it doulaed <laughs> well that would be i guess the second part to the two-part question is what am i giving to the world mm. and it, it, it would be futurehood i was always called to do music since i was a kid mm-hmm. it was just like be an mc um, be a performer, entertainer, a singer. Like I want to be Michael Jackson. Then I want to be Beyonce. Then I want to be Kanye West. Then I want to be Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Secretly, I'm Jay Z. Although <laughs> people say that Roy's the Jay Z of the group, um, ah, that, that which that makes a lot of that sense. Kind of fits. <laughs> um, but no, I always wanted to do music. But mm-hmm. then, like a lot of my aptitude and like what I'm really good at is like administrative organization sales like structure mm-hmm. like i'm really good at motivating people i'm very good at teaching people things getting people to see things even if i don't see them <laughs> <laughs> um so basically the way i approached music uh was from like um where i thought i wanted to be a performer and a musician and stuff like that that dream died for me a long time ago and basically i kind of have reapproached it in this kind of like i'm studying the way artists like Nicki minaj are like coming into power like mm-hmm. it was really interesting because female rap hadn't been a big thing for a long time and one of the things that really touched me about her glow up was is how many queer people gay people mm-hmm. um 
were like gravitating to her mm-hmm. and like learning her lyrics as mm-hmm. fast as they could mm-hmm. and like feeding into her like identity and mythology. And that kind of cued me. And I was like, wait, if the world and she, I think, was on a radio program similar to this talking about her alter ego Roman yeah, being like a gay, gay black boy. Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> wait so we don't have female rappers and you the first female rapper in however long and now you talking about you a gay black boy inside <laughs> I was like oh wait no I need to come through so, I was like, <laughs> so basically it was kind of yeah, like I'll be there I'll be there it was like part. how do I make that happen and then a friend of mine Ace Boom Bap was um, managing a bar called Wang's in like Boys Town Lakeview area and he just started rapping to me one night after we had closed the bar and I was like, oh my God, I'm standing in front of the gay Drake. <laughs> and um, I was just blown away by his talent. And then uh, our, his friend who DJed uh, this party that I was like kind of hanging out with called Banjee Report, uh, Drew also rapped. Mm-hmm. And so then they were trying to make a group. And when I got let go from this job I had when I was living in Amsterdam, uh, my Ooh. friend asked me uh, the to, Amsterdam, the Amsterdam, not I used new to, Amsterdam, <laughs> not new Amsterdam. I used to work in retail, so I was working for a retail brand that's from there, and I was learning okay. their practices to open up a store here. And okay. my friend, who also got hired with the company, when it was like very clear that I was going to get let go, uh, he said, "You should really try to do something in music, like whether you work for a label, A and R, just media, PR, something. Mm-hmm. Like you're passionate about it, you're studying it, like mm-hmm. in your free time." So I came back here and. Uh, Ace and Drew had still been doing the party, Band Report, and they had talked about wanting to do a podcast and start a rap group and like maybe do like a Kickstarter or raise money to like do a mixtape. And so I was like, I'm gonna manage you mm. <laughs> and I'm gonna and I'm gonna like uh push this out there in that like social media branding type way because that's what mm-hmm. I did for retail and I did sales and I was very successful at getting people to pay attention. So mm-hmm. Uh, I started doing that for Banjo Report, but then I also was hosting our podcast, um, which was just the me talking drunk on the mic um, <laughs> at our party. That's 75% yeah, of podcasts. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what the game has become. And, um, so, but I started the game. I was like, this is like five years ago. So yeah, Shout out my real <laughs> podcast. Is <laughs> so that's, that's how I started, like, with Banjo Report. And then as Banjo Report grew and people like Roy Kinsey presented themselves and Casey Ortiz presented themselves and Ace and I started talking about, you know, how hard it was to tour as a rap group as Banjo Report and all of these, like, setbacks and fallbacks and, like, uh, lack of resources and access to knowledge and... Um, spaces we decided that we needed a bigger umbrella something that could be a record label or a media platform or a festival Mm -hmm. for artists like us Mm -hmm. and we birthed futurehood from that kind of need so Um, it sounds like there's like we need a context yeah whether it's did it feel like you needed a context internally well we already had the banjo report collective Mm -hmm. and so people kind of knew what it was but didn't know what it was because it was a party it was a podcast it was a rap group (laughs) and then like as i started to do more solo stuff um, and we would put like Mr. Wallace tracks up on the Banjo Report SoundCloud. It became a little bit complicated. So mm-hmm. then we needed context, but also like there was a vision. There was like an idea that like a Roy Kinsey or a Casey Ortiz, um, a Blue Bone, Chicago artists that are queer minded or from the queer experience, they don't have a home. They don't have mm-hmm. a collective. They don't have a representation or a yeah. voice. Um, mm-hmm. And they could play the game, right? And they can try and get to 
the big dogs, as we're seeing now, like Kid Kens are making those moves and right. taking those big meetings. But, but that was like, that's been six years in the making. And right. like nobody had those opportunities back then. So I feel like we needed to create something that would create um, those opportunities for ourselves. And that's what Futurehood was. Yeah, in order to have a room to walk out of into the next room, you got to have a room. Like there mm-hmm. has to be a place to go to then grow from. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I want. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being weird. I got like weed stems coming out of this uh, <laughs> furry fleece I have. That just threw me off. Fleece. But That's what are we at? That's is, a, a perfect yeah. description of what the last month and a half in Chicago has this been. Is weird. I'm sure. Where did that come from? All right, please continue. <laughs> I want to. I put a mental pin. I want to. We don't have to get into the the end of the Amsterdam experience because that sounds like the end of a job. But before the end, I, I want to. Are there any moments or just like what was it like being a young person from Chicago living in Amsterdam at that point in your life? It was really interesting because obviously people in Europe have a lot of perceptions of what it means to be a Chicagoan, Mm -hmm. um, to be a black man and from America, to be a gay man from America. So there's a lot of like, uh, sadly, you experience a lot of people stereotyping Hmm. what they think you might like or what you might be into or whatever. Um, but beyond that, uh, and the complications I had with some of the people there, because they call themselves direct, but they're just rude. Um, <laughs> I loved life. living in uh, Amsterdam because it was like a fantasy. Hmm. It was like the architecture; everything was different. You know, yeah. <clears throat> the food, the way streets worked, and yeah. how the city was set up and organized. Like everything was brand new. So it was like coming to a whole new world. And I think that being a Chicagoan makes you a very strong person. Hmm. Um, so I I felt very powerful and very, like, ready to take on whatever yeah. I could and, like, experience as much as I could. It was a very, very intense job. And, like, the schedule was really intense. So I didn't get a ton of opportunity to explore mm-hmm. uh, Amsterdam or the Netherlands in general. But I did go to the Van Gogh Museum, and that mm-hmm. was really awesome. So... Yeah. yeah, I had a great time. Uh, they had a, <clears throat> remember that black and white film that came out that went to the Oscars? Um, how how recently? The, the, the most recent oh, one. Oh, si- The silent film oh, one. Oh, the silent film. Um, um, what was it called? Uh, like four years ago or how recently? Yes, yeah, like five. Like the or, artist or something? The artist, yeah. yes. So when I was there, that was in theaters and I saw it at this like old movie theater. Mm. Like beautiful, two floor. I sat in the balcony. And so watching a silent film in like an old yeah. movie house, you know, in Amsterdam. <laughs> like, like what the pinnacle is this? Of, yeah. <laughs> the pinnacle of my experience. It was crazy because then like I walked outside and then like the canals had frozen for the first time in 15 years. And you see all these like Dutch people like skating <laughs> and being like very Dutch. Somehow they choreographed. Like, <laughs> I was it was like, only like, a two hour movie. How did you have time to plan all this? <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was It was phenomenal. So, Although, also, when I was there, the other crazy sad thing that Pat happened when I was there was Whitney passed. Mm. So that's also part of my memory at that time. Hmm. Was there any, this is an unnecessary sidebar, but was there any, like, um, did, did, did people there pay attention to that? Or was that something that you were like, I'm sad, no one else is engaging? Oh, no, it was, uh, it was the opposite. Uh, I mean, I was a huge, a big Whitney fan, but I wasn't, like, uh, yeah. super, like, I don't know. It was actually funny because I was in the same bar earlier in the trip and I saw the I Want to Dance With You a music video playing in the bar. Hmm. And I'd never seen that video before that time. And mm. so I was like, hey, how's it been this long <laughs> that I haven't seen this video? 
And B, while Whitney's amazing and like just kind of like reveling in like her aura and like energy. And then I was pretty toasted coming from a, it was like a holiday party and we were all there. Um, and so a bunch of the like queer people from the party decided to leave the party and go to like a bar. Mm-hmm. So we went to the <laughs> same gay bar um, to just like be more of ourselves and mm-hmm. less like we were being watched. And um, I walk in, there's a Whitney song playing. And then You're like, does this bar only play Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh yeah, Whitney, yeah, they love Whitney here. And then I was like, and then like the next song plays, and it's like another Whitney song, and I'm like, okay, all right, that's new. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then the third song plays, and I'm like, why are they only playing Whitney songs? And I look up, and at the bottom of the screen, they had like R.I.P. Whitney oh, Houston wow. rolling around. And then I'm like yelling at the people, like, look it up on your phone. I didn't have data, so I was like, mm. look it up, because you know the the phone is what tells you what's true or not. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was part of it. It was, it was obviously something that was like a global event, you know, because yeah. they were just playing Whitney and celebrating her life that entire night mm-hmm. at that bar. And it had just happened, you know, right. they had just announced that in America. Yeah. So it was like... It's always interesting to see like which things have resonance or like in other places because culture has been exported in such an interesting way. People have a like a very meaningful but different relationship to these things. So like I'm sure there are people as famous as her who aren't as impactful as her in other places. But, mm-hmm. like, for some reason, I don't know. I, I'm just always amazed when things in a different context, like, land and people have a relationship to it. It's like, how does this even make sense? Or, or like, how are you experiencing it? And I guess that's just the art is good enough that mm-hmm. people resonate with it. I mean, yeah, art in, is universal. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. a universal language of emotion. Yeah. Damn. I agree. <laughs> that's that definition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something rich there and even how you named getting to that space where you found out about Whitney's passing of you know kind of a a queer cohort Mm -hmm. being in this space and not being able to like live in your full humanity in whatever little corporate party you're in and going to find this other space where you're not used being watched and like I'm thinking of tokenization and so coming back to like the futurehood moment now and building this like this context that is so unapologetically queer, how how in the how does that like dynamic of not wanting to be voyeurized? I know that's not like the conjugation of that mm-hmm. word, but like not wanting to be tokenized in that way, but still creating this context that is explicit in its queerness. How does that balance work as for you as the Well, I mean as the mom. <laughs> you know, people talk about um I love talking about Roy Kinsey. So, like, Be Safe, his video, like, I, I'm just thinking about Be Safe because my mom told me to be safe after, like, uh, the, inf- the news came out that Jesse was, like, attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, like being a queer person of color, especially being, um, uh, like, a, a male-identified or body uh on the film spectrum, like if you're in public, you're automatically a mm-hmm. target for mm-hmm. anything. So you're always being watched and mm-hmm. you always like feel that, mm-hmm. all right? Like that this whole structure and the way this is all set up is not, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be looking like this. I'm not supposed to be acting this way. And I'm like um, a threat, you know, to this. Mm-hmm. So uh, part of like being in a futurehood and like creating that, like, or like with our friends, like leaving that party and going together to the gay bar is not necessarily about not being seen. It's mm-hmm. more so about being together mm-hmm. and like creating like mm-hmm. safety together, mm-hmm. creating power together. Mm-hmm. Like seeing each other. I mean, the, the, yeah, seeing each other. Yeah. And like, and having like a, um, 
like a sense of power and of, of validation within your own experience right. because you can see someone else experiencing something similar and then being like fearless in like the way mm-hmm. that you act and like move mm-hmm. throughout. So mm-hmm. like, you know, being a part of like, that's why I wanted, you know, Futurehood because I wanted people to feel like, oh no, you got, you got people behind you. You're not just putting your music up on SoundCloud yeah. mm-hmm. and hoping somebody finds you, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to like tweet at every big artist and record label <laughs> to use, I beg them to pay attention to you. It's like, mm-hmm. we already paying attention to you. Right, right, and because right, right. we paying attention to you, they'll pay attention to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so creating Futurehood was about honoring the fact that we have a history of our own legends and stars. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we don't need to be validated by a mainstream because we are our own mainstream. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so we needed a vessel, an, an arc. There's a great... <laughs> talking about like you're they're being like we have our own legends i was there was this tony morrison clip that went around the last couple of days where was someone asking that like very basic question of like do you think you'll ever write about white characters basically mm-hmm. and she of course like breaks the whole thing down but the like the last line of the clip is her going like you asking me when i will come to the mainstream is ignoring the very real possibility that I am the mainstream. Okay, so you just clocked me because I was trying to say what she said without No, but it's good. <laughs> Actually, I believe Tony, but you can't say anything. And right, right, right. Tony right. Morrison said it all over. She so already did. Just go home. But, but that, yeah. is, that, that, that is the whole idea is that... I should have clicked that video. I saw that in my fan. It did see. Read. I could missed, have been prepared for that. That's it. the difference between you. I'm the one that clicks. <laughs> No, the mainstream concept is something that Ace actually said, uh, I think, in an interview to someone. I can't remember who, but, you know, if we think if we look at the ballroom scene mm-hmm. and if you know anything about the ballroom scene and you look at a person like Laomi Mizrahi, like, oh, just, is she still Mizrahi? No, I think she's a different house now. But Laomi is an icon, like a legend. Like mm-hmm. everybody in, who's a part of that scene knows her. Like she is revered and she's been able to do things like Nike commercials right. and perform in Russia. And so, like, you know, when I think about, uh, you know, that concept of, like, the mainstream, it's like right now what people consider to be mainstream is usually um, just, like, high-volume sales, mm-hmm. you know? It's mm-hmm. not necessarily that it's, like, any more main or accessible. <laughs> it's just linked to capital it's, more. It's just linked to capital more, and it has more brand awareness, and people are just constantly trying to push and find ways to get you into that that hot point, right? Mm-hmm. That fire point. I remember Jay-Z talking yeah. about, like, hip-hop and, like, you know, that moment where you're the biggest in the world and everyone's mm-hmm. talking to you. That's, that's a very small moment, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to hold on to that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything else, getting to that moment and after that is really the journey that you should be paying mm-hmm. attention to and, and appreciating. Uh, but people are just so focused on getting that mm-hmm. one little moment. And I'm just trying to, like, build the apparatus, the art, mm-hmm. the platform for all of the people who feel the way that I feel or appreciate people who feel the way that I feel uh, to have a space to do what they do and feel like they can be seen without being tokenized yeah. um, mm-hmm. or only or, or a lot of times when we are seen and put into the mainstream uh, it is so that people could just make money off of us right. mm-hmm. it's like oh this is trendy right now yeah. so I'm going to make money off of you yeah. or I'm going to build my cultural awareness and my brand awareness around collaborating with you and mm-hmm. it's right. like what happens when gay is no longer taboo or right. when queer is no longer that odd like our 
does the money stop flowing? Like, right. and so I'm trying to figure out a way to create our own world uh, hmm. where we have all the resources that we need to exist without even thinking, oh, I want to be written up by these people or I want to, you know, be on that TV show mm -hmm. or win that, you know, that award because that's not what sustains like the heart and soul and the spirit mm -hmm. for why it wants to make music. But yeah. in order to like make music as a lifeline, you have to kind of engage with this idea of the music industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, so for, I yeah. and I think that that's, that's slavery. It's like a, it's like a mind slavery, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I want to bring people of that. So Futurehood, as it is, has been like a, an incubation program, um, a record label, a PR agency. Uh, I do slight management things for people. Yeah. Um, I help them like strategize. Uh, but usually it's just me kind of like imploring them to like do whatever they want to do mm -hmm. and live freely mm -hmm. and like whatever I can do to pull that out of your way and, and whatever I can do to create a home for you, then I will do. And that's what Futurehood is supposed to be a home hmm. or a final resting place. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Are there, um, for, for the pieces that aren't directly related to that, like music industry access, but to the rest of the world, when you say you're trying to create a world for people to have that um, in the, in the envisioning of it and it can be abstract or tangible, like, what does that world look like? And I know that's a broad Always question. Always ask me the damn question. Um, and it, you don't have to have an like, answer to it. It's like when know? I was a kid, I used to imagine these cities with roller coasters that would go through the buildings. No, <laughs> <laughs> There's a mall in New Jersey that has that, actually. <laughs> I mean, they, have a, they had a roller coaster at uh, Mall of America, too, and I went there when I was a kid. So that's, that's always been a fantasy. But um, I, I just like the craziest name of a place. The Mall of the America. The Mall of America. Yeah, I mean, mall <laughs> culture is like, that's a very American thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like the most American of all malls. Did you grow up going to a mall? Uh, North Riverside. Uh, how many malls are in Chicago? Schaumburg. How about Wolf you? Mall. Did I grow I mean, you know, I, I would hit the plaza. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> the plaza. I, I did some Chicago Ridge, but it was Chicago it was, Ridge. It was yeah. never a, a social thing mm -hmm. like that. I would go with my cousins, you know, they yeah. didn't want to go. Um, uh, high Chris, school. Christiana might have made some Forest City moves that I tagged along. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, you got to go with the co the older cousins. Absolutely. Like that. They'll, they'll show you the ropes. But then like, by, the time, by the time I was in high school, like, I went to the mall for work. <laughs> it was like not me going to hang out, you know? I was like, I got to get a job. So, um, but no, the future, the future hood. If I could imagine, like, a, a self-sustaining world, uh, you know, has hospitals and schools and and places for people to reside and parks and places for people to create and record podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Most important. <laughs> Most important. And so, like, if I, like, if, if I look far enough into my mind, that's what Future Hood would look like. It would be, like, a self-sustaining colony <laughs> where we can get away from all the bullshit mm -hmm. so do you, yeah i, I want to pull out something i think i'm hearing as because you've used like the platform builder and arc builder a lot so like as as a space maker um do, are you are you sacrificing your own like personal practices and oh yeah i have been doing that for a long time how does that feel? That's something i'm very sensitive to from a personal standpoint. well you know for a long time i thought it felt very good like oh i'm doing the right thing mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm doing it for the cause <laughs> yeah. 
And then you see some of the people that you're like trying to like promote, get what they want out of the situation, mm. but then you still don't have your own room. Mm. Yeah. And then you start to look at them and you're like, well, I don't want to like look down on you because I did mm-hmm. this for you, but mm-hmm. like you're not providing for me the ways in which I'm providing for you. So I have to like provide for myself, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like I'm providing for you in this way that you didn't necessarily think that you could provide for yourself, but there are mm-hmm. things that I could provide for myself that I had to sacrifice in order to do that. So right. now I can no longer sacrifice those things right. because I got to get to the next level. And futurehood has to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have to like go back and pull in and go in. And I think that's part of the whole like journey, right? Why you were talking about where are you now yeah. in, in the world and what are you giving back to the world? What is the world giving you? Like the world is giving me the opportunity to go within mm-hmm. because I've already seen that when I put things out, the world is ready to receive them, mm-hmm. right? And I think that like with Futurehood and its awareness is in the press and with Red Bull Music Festival, uh, Under Our Belts and things like that, like we're very confident that we can make a mark when we want to make a mark. But mm-hmm. now it's about going within to like figure out what exactly we need to mm-hmm. get to the next level to say what we need to say. Mm-hmm. So so do you think it was kind of harder to think about that inward to outward move again uh, before you knew that there would be places for it to land? Like Absolutely, absolutely. It kind it of was, affirmed <clears throat> it a little bit? Yeah, I, th- I thought that I knew that there was no place for me to go unless I created my own space. But I know in order to create my own space within the mainstream, within these publications and in these institutions that I've been able to navigate, I had to sacrifice a lot of things. Like I had to sacrifice my privacy. Um, I had to sacrifice like, um, you know, well, I didn't have to sacrifice anything. Hmm. Let me rephrase that. Mm. I chose to sacrifice certain things because it would make it easier for me to move around. Like I moved to New York, you know, and uh, didn't hold a regular job. I still do not work a nine to five. Like in order to have enough free time to have the space in mind for me to do what I need to do, because if I work a job, I'm at that job. Mm. I'm like moving overseas. You know what I mean? Like, the, <laughs> like that's what I'm doing. So it's like, I had, so, I had, right. So I had to make, I had to make futurehood and like this, like goal, like my dream, like, like my job. And like, in order to do that, like I needed certain mobility and that required for me sacrifice. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but because I just, I was so hungry to like break in and like make people like pay attention then once I was was able to do that, I was like, oh, there's no reason for me to be sacrificing anything. It's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. y'all need me more than I need y'all. So let me just go and get myself <laughs> all the things that I need and what I want. And then I'll come back and bring y'all something yeah. cute. Fully realizing the value. <laughs> Where mm-hmm. are you in that process right now? In the in the turning inward? Um, I still think I'm going further in. Um, but then I just put a project out called Cool Mom. Mm-hmm. So um, that requires making more videos and doing more performances. And I have this like strong urge to go to Europe and tour. Um, so yeah, I, I, I claim that I'm going in, but I'm like preparing <laughs> to go out. I'm just yeah. we're announcing a tour, Hell Trap Nightmare, which is a comedy troupe. Yeah, that uh, sounds They're Chicago-based, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had me perform at their uh, Halloween sh- show at the Hideout, and 
they loved it. Their crowd loved it. And I love their 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 act too, right? Mm-hmm. I love the way that they tell stories through multimedia and comedy. I think that's kind of what I'm doing through hip hop. <laughs> so it works. And they asked me to go on a tour with them. Very they fun. actually asked me that night, kind of like jokingly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then they like followed up. Whoa. Like, <laughs> can't expect the follow-up, yeah. you know? And I was like, oh, wow, like, an email about, like, would you be interested? And then I was like, sure. And then they, like, planned out. There's, like, 11 dates. Wow. Mm. So yeah. when do you go? Do you know? It starts the 18th or the 19th of April in Cleveland, and then it ends the 29th. How are you feeling about it? Is I'm it excited. Only excitement? It, Is it also nervousness? Where, where are you? Well, going? I'm nervous because I don't, I don't think I've ever performed that many days in a row. Yeah. Mm. And it's, like, also... Um, like we're driving, I think, in two cars and we're like city to city to city to mm-hmm. city. So it's like, couldn't it be a lot of like, I don't know these people and I'm trying to yeah. vibe with you in this car or trying to sleep because I was out late last night mm-hmm. <laughs> and performing and I got to perform again. And yeah. I'm like, I'm a little nervous about my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to strain it. Yeah. I don't want to be SZA. Mm-hmm. Um and can't like do what I do because it's important to me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and That's it's my livelihood. The biggest tragedy to me. There's so many vocalists who like. I don't know. There's something like you Greek. get those nodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that folks who have this amazing gift, it destroys the gift. Like it's it's a weird. Well, it's like there's it, like a long Adele, Mariah. Mm-hmm. So there's like but you can't overuse more. it. Yeah. You know, right. it's not meant to. That's kind of the whole point of this like world is that we're doing all these things we're not meant to be doing, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like pushing you, the limits. Yeah, what do you mean by that? I just mean like, um, like we're not supposed to have as much information as we have. Like mm-hmm. the reason, like, why do I go to the bus? Like, usually you just go, go to the bus stop and wait for the bus because mm-hmm. you know the bus run every five <laughs> to six seven minutes. But no, we're like looking at the time. Yeah. I'm looking at the map. I'm like pulling. Like, where is the bus? I'm, <laughs> You know the v, the G, GPS I'm seeing is because three buses coming like all like that doing all that extra information yeah. is taking up too much time and space. You know, um, <laughs> I feel like for a lot of people causing you know anxiety and yeah and all of that for no reason. It's yeah, like, we spend so much time that doesn't have to do with eating and sleeping, and that's really all that we need to do. This this sounds like a conversation I have when I'm off shrooms. <laughs> Every time I get to this central question of like all my conversations, oh, why are we doing this shit? Like <laughs> anything, like anything you can name. Like we have to drive to fucking wherever to then sit and then get a text to then have to wait outside to why are we doing any of this shit? <laughs> well, what else? You, what me. else are you gonna do? Eat and sleep. We got it's a long day. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I like sleep right. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I can eat and go to sleep. And wake up and eat and go right back to sleep. <laughs> there's enough food. There's enough places to sleep. Yeah, we should just be doing that. Oh, that's we should funny. just be doing that. Freak on each other. I also think again. freaking on each other, yeah. dancing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff like just that. Dance off the food. Yeah. yeah. I also think, like, I always, I think fashion or like, <laughs> like, um, you know, like uh, fashion or like uh, creating like visual presentations, ritual, things like yeah. that. I think those are interesting and useful to culture. Do I Abs- think absolutely. like the fashion industry as it is today is really useful for culture? No. Neither is the music industry. It's like (laughs) the music industry, we do get like bops and there's some new forms of music that are really interesting uh, and we create things that are interesting but I don't think necessarily they're necessary or useful. And I think they'd get created anyway. Like people would, we might not hear it but people would make, keep making things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't, 
That's the, all we the, know to yeah, do. Yeah, like we're we're just gonna keep making people just are gonna keep making stuff. Mm-hmm. And whether it's the people in your like post apocalyptic community that hear that song that you're banging on the you know on the like on the log or you know okay so what does the word apocalypse mean because i'm like what is i want to go because i'm like post-apocalyptic means Mm -hmm. the end of like after the apocalypse so the apocalypse is the end of this civilization or is it like the end of this universe or is it the end of this planet like (laughs) so here are the two definitions that we have for apocalypse one the complete final destruction of the world as described in the biblical book of revelation so make of that what you will talk about a bestseller (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> people rock with that book right that's there. the book <laughs> it gets real dark at the end and yeah, then, yeah just switched it up <laughs> talk about off shrooms yeah, it's like yo where, where, where did the story just go <laughs> so you ever see a movie and it's like the last act you're like oh you ran out of money <laughs> you yeah. had to like find a way to wrap this up and then, uh, and then the second definition is an event involving destruction or damage on an awesome or catastrophic scale. And the quoted example is a awesome? stock market, meaning like inspiring awe. Not like, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, but the example in quote is a stock market apocalypse. So, mm-hmm. but I, I'm curious about the, the derivation. So I'm going to do a little let's bit do, more, do some, a little more digging. So it's that. Greek leading to Latin. It's a biblical term, basically. To uncover or reveal. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, what, what are we doing in the apocalypse? Do you have a plan? We tra- <laughs> Do we have a plan? <laughs> <laughs> well, part of my plan is to become famous enough that y'all would keep me alive and put me on the, go- the colony in space. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, what are we going to do with the celebrities during the apocalypse? That is... I think, I don't know, I'd be, I'd, I'd be hearing, like, I'd be listening to Beyonce and I'm like... I feel like her and Jay Z be thinking about that. Like they worried about that. Oh, they got a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they got a plan. They got a They're plan. Prepared. They, I'm, you know, they got a planet. <laughs> <laughs> they bought a planet. They, they, might be, they might be low key preppers. Yeah, yeah. There's a chance that Jay Z and Beyonce are low key preppers. <laughs> so funny. And on the other side, Kanye is just like trying okay. to try to lead. <laughs> He's, he's got a megaphone thing trying to get people to listen to him. <laughs> That's his whole plan is he bought a megaphone. <laughs> a megaphone. Oh it's Lord. like, you know, an iRobot where there's like the shot. Do you ever see that movie with Will Smith? Yeah. From back, there's like the shot of like the the leader like at the top of the hill with the bridge behind it. Like Kanye just photoshopped himself into that photo. <laughs> But yeah, do you have a what, what's, I mean, my what's the pl- apocalypse move? I mean, if I if I had my way, I would like I said have my colony with my hospitals and my schools, mm-hmm. and we'd be chilling, mm-hmm. we'd be sleeping and and, and eating yeah. <laughs> and learning and growing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like a, like post post apocalypse. Like that that word confuses me because I'm like when I hear apocalypse, I hear the end, right? I yeah. hear the end of the story, the end of the yeah. Book. That makes so much sense. I don't know so why I'm like, what people don't say that. So I'm like, why are we? Why are we talking about what happens after the end? Like, what's like what's next in that whole like like uncertainty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was, I should just text to see like because I'm like going through all the motions, but I was <laughs> like I'm holding my head up in the face of uncertainty, knowing I'm certain to succeed. Or knowing that I'm supposed to be here, certainly. It's like, I know in my heart that I am part of all things. And all things are a part of me. So 
I don't really understand the end of all things. I might not be me, but I'm not going anywhere. But I ain't going nowhere. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and what I'm going to be doing is basically up to whatever I need to be doing. But I, I definitely think it's going to be like living and being alive and being hip or being aware in some kind of way, contributing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if, if I'm just a tree contributing oxygen, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, post-apocalyptic, are there trees? I'm like, <laughs> those que- those are the things that confuse me about that word. It's like, yeah. I don't really see an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think the idea the fear that we're close to the end is being used against us. Absolutely. Well, Rebecca mm-hmm. Solnit has this idea. Ooh. Rebecca Solnit, she's a writer. She wrote this book called Men Explain Things to Me uh, and a bunch <laughs> of other books. She's a really, she's a contemporary writer. But this idea that like every generation thinks that the end is about to happen and what that actually is is like a um, a coping mechanism for dealing with how fucked up the world is and always has been. So yeah. her question that she poses is like, what do we do if we operate from the assumption that it's not about to end, that it's going to continue to be built in the world that we are in now and it's going to be worse in certain ways and better in other ways and complicated and falling apart and being built, like that the world will continue to be just as complex as it's always been. How do we then like work with that understanding, which is probably what the case is, and then work from there rather than this imagined threat? Because there's always been that imagined threat, whether that comes from the, you know, religiously, like, the book that we just talked about, or, you know, I think we, we frame it like economically Not now. Writing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible is, well, depends what is time. Mm-hmm. Did we all take shrooms before we came? <laughs> what is going on? Um, but I think like it is, it is useful yes. to see, <laughs> <laughs> to see the ways that that like expectation of the end Keeps people complacent. I keeps people swear scared. to God, I looked at a tab of acid. My <laughs> and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I was just on acid this radio interview? And I did not do that. That would have been fast. I would have greatly enjoyed that. I would, I, that that's what, <laughs> this would have been a slightly different. I would have been all over this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But part well, of, when pa- you return to the show, <laughs> well, futurehood. Okay, let's break down the words future mm-hmm. meaning what's next mm-hmm. and then hood being like the place that you live mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm always gonna be living girl we always gonna be here we always gonna have our place mm-hmm. um and part of i think making that like a sustainable idea versus like this apocalyptic kind of like fever or hysteria that we find ourselves mm-hmm. in would be to like the ideas that I'm using right now to even create futurehood are fab. And I think, you know, some of them are, I'm using old yeah. ideas of structure and capitalism and I'm using new ideas of, you know, equality and equi- equitability and um, accessibility and sustainability. And so, you know, part of that is creating a space for new people to come in, hmm. um, people who are haven't been heard from, yeah. right? And let their ideas kind of like take shape and form yeah. and like guide us into a further futurehood, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is what we resist, right? All these people come into power. We grow up from babies and we're like, we want to rule the world. And then we start ruling the world and we're like, this is great or this is not so great because they left us with a shitty mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then we get old and then we're like, no, this is the, we've done so much to make this sustainable and to work, and and all these new people are like, nah, we don't we don't fuck with gender, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't fuck with racism, we don't, we don't do transphobia, and like all these old people what? are like, 
Wait. That's, but that's what we do. But that's how we did it. <laughs> that's my shit. That's how we still here. You know, and so. Huh, that's interesting, though. That's how we're still, is like they relied on that yeah, as a form of survival. Exactly. I mean, I think about even, even my parents, like yeah. respectability politics. Like, my mom doesn't want me to, like, dress up and, like, go out into <laughs> the world and shock people because she doesn't right. want me to die and she wants me to be able to do Yeah, that's not job. rooted in some, like, <laughs> and, like you, know, you know, hating but, you. Right, but a, like, exactly. Concern. But that was something I had to uncover, right? Yeah. I had to, like, figure that out, you know? And, hmm. like, I know that I'm from a generation that's going to push ideas, but then I know that I could be become, right, you know, right. a leader or whatever and then get stuck in my ways or, or resist change. And yeah. I think, you know, I have my parable of the sorrow. Sorrow. Somewhere here, mm. um, you just keep Octavia Butler. Yeah, I keep her with me, but you know she's got his change, and mm-hmm. and I want to foster m- more change. Uh, I want to create a space where change can thrive, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so I think that's what we'll be doing. Apocalyptic. Yeah. We'll be we'll be partying and figuring out new ways to define what a party means or a celebration, which is what we're or doing a ritual. now. Yeah. It is what we're doing right <laughs> and now. you know, because time is what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you're making the space for for change and for new and you know you definitely talked about new ideas which is something we we love up here are there any new ideas in this change oriented space that are exciting you right now that people aren't talking about enough or just like things that have been sticking in your or mind. that ground you if not excite you ground me what grounds me you know what grounded me that conversation that you talked about the celebration you guys had around the birth Hmm. that was really beautiful because i actually have a trauma of um someone really important to me passing after childbirth Mm -hmm. um so you know hearing like black women are like having these like rituals around birthing and like having like doulas and like all of that like kind of like old knowledge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know coming back and being like very present and useful mm-hmm. that's that's what's exciting to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what's not so much the forgotten ancient uh you know also it's very exciting to me uh kamala harris is that her name mm-hmm. um talking about you know she's wanting for president and talking about wanting to f- uh, federally legalize marijuana i think that's very exciting because wheat has been very helpful for me as far as like letting ideas flow like grounding but then also being free with my mm-hmm. thought mm-hmm. and like I just feel like when more people have access to to it um, in a place where it's not like sanctioned or like thought of as like a, like a stigmatized mm-hmm. uh, drug I think that will create a lot of like you know peace and, <laughs> and love mm-hmm. and like positive change um for the future hopefully for the future i mean it's gonna happen like it is gonna become i think maybe in five years i'll be like oh daniel you were so naive but i really do think like we are past the point of no return on that one in this country like but then also the healing that can happen around that right about all the black families that were broken through this quote-unquote war on drugs and all the men that have been locked up from that that could be released uh if things were done appropriately you know that that that's the kind of change that really excites me and grounds me on the like what is this realm because i wake up in this dream every day (laughs) (laughs) and i love myself I love my story, my past. I love my parents. I love my family, my friends, my chosen family and friends. Um, and so I, I believe that is the reason, you know, God so loved the earth. I believe that's the reason why I wake up in this fantasy every day. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, 
simulation where right now Trump is the president. Um, <laughs> but that is just another reminder of how fucked up things can be, right? Yeah. And all of the like urgency <laughs> around why you, we need to be different, right? And yeah. we need to idolize different things and, 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 you know, and put our energy in different places. So. Yeah, it is a wild ass timeline. Yeah, Trump being the president is like somebody went in the past and messed with something they weren't supposed to. Yeah, and yeah. now we're living in an alternate Back reality. To oh, no. That's, <laughs> if you see my Twitter, I'm talking about that all the time. Like Somebody Bob, went in, in butterfly effect us <laughs> to this. Well, the Bob, okay, so like Bob the drag queen tweeted, uh, you know, can we stop saying clean to talk about somebody who is HIV negative you know that's something mm. that gay men do on apps and stuff like that like I'm clean or mm-hmm. you know stuff like that and I'm like okay wait a minute <laughs> I learned this how long ago and I'm like are people still doing that are people still are people still having sex and I was like <laughs> but it's like but are people still doing it? I'm like oh this must be part of the time are loop you right? using that language using that mm-hmm. language or and having to promote us not using that language mm-hmm. or like it's just so stupid to say oh I'm clean like right. I'm like because what's the message you're sending I'm like you? then you have no idea about what health means yeah, or like right. and, and you know what I mean but you're I'm eating like eating a burger you're not clean yeah and, and so <laughs> but, the t- but the time Check right your intestines <laughs> oh my god you really went there <laughs> come on <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but like this time loop that we're in is like very real. But also, I think part of that is just like that knowledge. You know, not just talking those ways. I think maybe even I even used that term. You know, mm-hmm. once upon a time. But to not to know not to do that. Like I've learned that. Just like I learned how to ask for pronouns and all these things. Like yeah, I just feel like that lack of information that like people's awareness of that or accepting of that knowledge. Uh, makes us feel like we're in this time loop. Um, And I think we are in a time loop because information becomes more useful and less useful, right? So Mm -hmm. how many black women are using doulas today in America versus, you know, a few years ago Mm -hmm. when that's like a tradition that we've had since the beginning of time? You know, so, (laughs) like, you know, that going in, right, having to go back within and then coming back out and being like, okay, this is the way I want to be in the world. Which, like, like, as as a metaphor, or not even as a metaphor, as like a macro structure like makes a lot more sense than like a singular line right which is kind of how we were all taught like the progressing of things or Mm -hmm. history or any like that is the narrative that i won't say we all were like that that was taught to me Mm -hmm. and it makes a lot more sense that just the way that things work in nature would also be the way it works in terms of this right that things come in and go and like the tide reaches up and then it pulls back and then knowledge is found and knowledge is lost like that just like makes a lot more sense i think yeah it does what's something that you found recently that felt like somewhere deep in me i knew this already Mm. well you know i've been dealing with a lot of um newfound fame celebrity Mm -hmm. um which is really funny because when i was a kid I used to run around all the time and be like, oh, I'm famous. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, my name, my full name is Eric Lamar Wallace II. Oh, I'm probably going to get stalkers now. But anyway, like, I used, because I have that the second in my name, like, I used to say, oh, I'm royalty. You know, like, I'm this, I'm that, you know? Like, cause I was like, I'm special. You said you're very special guest. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's I've always known that about <laughs> it must myself. must be me. It must be me. I must be the guest. You know? Uh, so, like, I used to, like, be this person as a kid. Like, I'm a genius. I used to say that all the time. I'm a genius. I'm famous. I'm all these things. Like, I would say it all the time and now that like i go out to the bars or whatever and see people who i've known for years and they'll be like oh my god i'm so proud of you and all the things you're doing and you're like famous you're like celebrity now like people talk about you like people talk about you (laughs) like what you're doing and like (laughs) 
And I'm like, this is so weird. It always makes me feel a little like shy and uncomfortable when people yeah. do that. But then it's like what I've been sitting in is like, people, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, and like, what's weird about it? Because it, that that sounds like what everybody feels would be the most gratifying experience. Right. Especially people who make stuff, stuff. for the world. Yeah. Right. Well, because like what's weird about it is like, oh, that way that I felt inside, like this thing that I've been, you know, Same. trying to articulate in so many different ways for so long is actually true. Mm-hmm. It's actually got legs and walking around and like, you know, making people feel a certain type of way. Like that, that's weird. Like, because then there are other suspicions that you have that are like harder to swallow. <laughs> like time isn't real. Like, well, if, if, my, if my instincts were right on me being famous, this must all be a simulation. <laughs> right. And, you know, if I'm at the center of it, then I got to learn the thing or I got to do, the, you know, so, uh, then a lot of pressure and anxiety also hmm. can build up around those ways. And I always think about when I like take shrooms or like acid or something like that. And there's like that moment of panic or like, what is this? How do I get back to how I used to feel and be <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and that is usually just resistance to like, hmm. like an acceptance, a moment of grounding and acceptance and like a new space of like awareness. And like, I just feel like every day I'm trying to get to that place of awareness. And part of my journey has been going from saying these things to actually people saying them back to me. Hmm. Um, and that's been that's been very scary um, because there's, you know, there I've, I've been tricked by society and I've desired things and wanted things and I've gotten those things. And I'm, you know, they're not good for you. Sometimes they hold you back. Sometimes they, they traumatize you, you know, so you yeah. have to be very careful um, and, and very like cautious about how you navigate and what you say yeah. and what you communicate to other people uh, and to yourself because that manifests in the simulation. <laughs> you know? Do you think people in the past were as skeptical of becoming famous? Like, I think as much as people like are obsessed with fame now, I think we also, a lot of people have a, like a very healthy skepticism about what that can mean and the ways that that can be destructive. And I wonder if like in previous generations, people also had that suspicion. I remember listening to, or just recently watching the, the Ellen mm-hmm. um, comedy special. Comedy special yeah. And she talked about how her parents were really, like obsessed with celebrity yeah, and how they saw a celebrity when she was a kid and like mm. it was like look 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 you know and yeah. I think that back then people didn't necessarily understand um, mm-hmm. but then if you look at all of old Hollywood like those stories they are got fucked dark. up yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Elizabeth you know? <laughs> Taylor's and the yeah, shit is so, crazy yeah so it's never and like and that's part of the part of my journey too so like thinking about like Roy and like his journey with substance and like my journey hmm. with substance and like it's like everybody else who's ever competed, you know, with alcohol or fame has basically lost in some way, <laughs> shape, or form their law. They, they, they lose their privacy. They mm. lose their life. They lose, you know, they lose something. Their you health. have to give up something. Yeah. Um, your health. You sacrifice something on that altar, yeah. So, I like, but that's not something people, like, really, like, sit with, you know? Hmm. I think people just, like, wish, 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 and, like, fight, fight, fight. And, like, I did. You know, I was fighting for all of this, like... Listen to me. Listen to me. Pay attention to us. Pay attention to us. Like, we're here. We're queer. And, like, I'm an eight girl. <laughs> and then it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> girl, you're doing way too much. You're going out way too much. You're, like, people are expecting way too much from you. Like, yeah. 
but these are all the things that you said and then now you've sacrificed these things and you can you never get some of these things back you mm. know i just spent so much time like running away from my family trying to be like this queer person that i thought i was supposed to be um you said running away from yeah running mm-hmm. away from because i they did, i didn't feel like they could accept me or that there was space within that structure for me to be my mm-hmm. fullest self mm-hmm. and that was wrong you know mm-hmm. you know that that concept w- was false for some people i definitely do think that they have to sure. leave their families um yeah. but how was that how'd you learn that it was you were wrong in that Perception. Was it just time or just time? Yeah, mm-hmm. and just like kind of like looking like you can look at a situation and be like, oh, that was really painful and very hurtful. Um, like the way you said that thing to me hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so specifically because I know I'm talking in very vague terms, and your reader, your listeners are probably like, girl, who's this girl they got? <laughs> we'll, we'll live in the vague, we'll but, but, but more specifically, yeah. like I remember a conversation I had with my mother around me being gay and uh, or wanting to express like queer identity, and like she was like you have to tell people you can't like I asked you and you told me no and this and that and I was like well because I was afraid of all these things and she was like you can't not tell people what you are and then expect them to treat you a certain way Mm -hmm. you know that doesn't work like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. it was really hard information to follow yeah that's a hard thing to hear you know I'm like well wait so y'all are talking about you know, you, you can spit homophobic information and, and phrases and all this bullshit at me. And I'm just supposed to be like, yeah, I'm gay. So now no, and you're going to treat me right. Like, and she's like, basically. And I'm like, <laughs> that really, that, that, that hurt me. And, and, and that conversation yeah. came after like a lot of like fighting. Mm-hmm. Like we finally got to that place when she said that. And even though she said that to me and I like went to bed and I slept on that, I don't think I realized what she said to me until just last year. Mm-hmm. And How I, long ago I, was that conversation? I mean, that was when I was 18. That was okay. 17. Yeah. Okay. And okay. so I'm now 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> it'd be like that, don't it? So, uh, you know, shit, but I. These grown ups might be right. About they might be right. But then I, so then I wrote a song called Heavy Heat on Cool Mom. And it's like, you know, on cool, uh, this is the story of a cool mom. Work clothes with the gym shoe on. She had a big deal. No coupons. Push the start when she turned her coupon. <laughs> it's dinner and she whipping up a salad. When her son comes home looking sad and she says, sit down. Tell me what had happened. He said, mama, they been calling me a faggot. She said, let me make this quick. People full of shit. You my flesh and bone and a faggot is some sticks. Mm. Be who you are, not what you is. Can't nobody make your decisions. But do I have a choice? Baby, use your voice. But what if I am gay? Baby, it's okay. Make them pay. Because at the end of the day, we all got our ways. We all trying to live. And that's what it gave. Mm. And that's what my mom told me. When I was 17, did I process that information like that? No. <laughs> and I was resistant to her and resistant and resistant and resistant and resistant and running away and running away and running away. And then realized at 30 years old, writing, you know, writing an album for, you know, my fans and processing all the things that I've been through that like, yeah, I want to be who I am. I'm not what I is, like the, the long list yeah, of labels yeah. mm-hmm. or identities that mm-hmm. I can go off on or that people will see when they see me do whatever they see me do, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And um, and I have a choice and I have the power of my voice and like I have to use that and assert that if I want what I want out of this world because I have been doing that this whole time and it let me down some dark paths mm-hmm. or it led me yeah. to some places with like, you know, adulation and exaltation and like my community's proud of me because mm-hmm. I said I was famous and I was that it girl and now I am. So mm-hmm. um yeah, it was it was it's been a, like I said, time 
<laughs> Time's a motherfucker, and uh, I'm I'm happy to be on the ride. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's powerful. I, I heard that's the, the piece I heard you do at Breathing Room. Yeah, I had just started writing yeah, that. Yeah, and definitely that that made a sticks line uh, was so poignant because, you know, as as we are folks who resist or oppose or are work to be the antithesis of these oppressive systems i think sometimes we like struggle to accept the reality of them and like you know white supremacy bigotry right Mm -hmm. you know obviously homophobia how traumatic those interpersonal experiences are we often are in a place of like almost being overwhelmed and and wanting to like deny that reality yeah and what i what i hear in that is like how do we immunize ourselves? How do we evolve past it? How do we create a strength within that like allows us to continue in this toxic environment mm-hmm. instead of spending so much time trying to change stuff that's outside of our power? Um, yeah, so that's oh just my, my, God, my you're reflection. So, you're so great. I love that. <laughs> well, I think, I think part of that is uh, oral history, hip-hop, mm-hmm. yeah. podcasting, knowledge, sharing knowledge and communicating. Like my yeah. mom literally told me, you know, like you can be whoever you want to be. You are what you are. Like she studied psychology and sociology mm-hmm. in school, so she knew, you know, yeah, yeah. all kind of things. And I was just like, I don't know how this body works. I don't know what's going on. I just hear what y'all saying about people who I think I might be like, and now I feel right. some type of way about you. Right. <laughs> I don't feel safe with you. <laughs> like you tell and, so much of that story in just two bars, real quick, with the metaphor. Yeah, you, yeah, you did that one. But it's also like, how do you hold true both things that your mom said that and the other thing? Well, you know? so the first project that I put out is called Faggot. Mm. And that's where I'm talking about I'm an it girl and I'm this and I'm that and like I'm fab and I reclaim the word for myself mm-hmm. and, and and like I want when people if you if you're here you young, go mom yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but, but really like if you on if you're if you if you're born and you're on the if you're on the playground today in 2019 and somebody calls you a faggot and you pull out your your Google glasses and <laughs> and you and you search for faggot. You you might mm. run into Mr. Wallace, mm. and you might run yeah. into this idea of, of what it could mean to be a faggot, and you might be like, "Yes, I am. Yes, mm. I am a faggot." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And run with that in a mm-hmm. completely different way than I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and so coming back to that on Heavy Heat and Cool Mom was like my way of like summing that whole project up and mm-hmm. being like. I can be whatever I want, you know. But faggot is literally a bundle of sticks. <laughs> like, I'm like, if you really want to get down to the brass tacks of the words, we can get there, you know. But mm-hmm. I don't think that a lot of people resonate with like what words mean and like mm-hmm. information and knowledge because it's not thought of as like cool or whatever the case may. Or you just forget, right? Like, yeah. go to a go to a dictionary, go to an encyclopedia. Just like all these things you that know. we just assume are the way things are, words are the same way, yeah. and they all come from somewhere. And it's so fluid, and they change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like all of us. <laughs> so before we get out of here, mm-hmm. I want to ask one, or at least my last question. I don't know. I, I have like one more, maybe. So my, my question for you is, you know, as the self-proclaimed cool mom of Futurehood, and you were talking about your mom, what are some ways that your mom parented you that you want to do for this thing that you're building there are a lot um my mom is a pisces so (laughs) she right (laughs) i gagged you right (laughs) she loves unconditionally like there's nothing Mm -hmm. i don't think there's anything that i could actually do wrong that my Hmm. mom would just be like i ain't fucking with you no more which is really kind of scary right because there are a lot of things that i could do wrong but 
I kind of feel like that that like unconditional love and like that willingness to support, right? She'll go into her account, buy me a flight if I need to get to some place, or she has done that in the past. Like that's the kind of thing that I have been doing and want to continue to do for futurehood. It's like to be so certain in myself mm-hmm. and my ability to create this thing and that it's so wonderful. Like I am willing to make sacrifices in mm-hmm. order to see it walk and thrive and live because to me that's more important than me becoming famous and I've already been famous so I've been famous my whole life you know <laughs> you just didn't know about me I just you just didn't know about me you know or you did you just didn't remember you know <laughs> that's how time works so uh, time is more remembering so yeah I just would like to continue to like keep loving the thing like because really like if you really want to get into it like <laughs> After you make so many sacrifices for something, and it like, and then it keeps hitting your account, you know, all the because it's a budget, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it keeps hitting your account, and you're like, girl, <laughs> that's my money, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which means no new structuring needs to happen and things like that. But like, yeah, like I'm, I've 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 decided, you know, not to walk away from the thing, to not give it up for adoption, <laughs> right. you know, like to continue to mother it, um, and to know that. Even though sometimes I could be cold, like my mother, <laughs> um, or very like direct with the knowledge and the information, right? Like she gave it to me, and even though I wasn't ready to receive it at that time. Yeah. She gave it to me, you know. So I just want to continue to give Futurehood the knowledge that it needs, mm-hmm. um, and and so that it could get to the place where it can do the things that it wants to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I'm trying to feel if this is a smooth segue. Maybe. Let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Grammys. They were just like, and. <laughs> so even in that answer, like there's been, you know, a theme throughout of like the way we're, we're discussing time, you know, your essence or your existence being connected to an e- eternal, like mm-hmm. be- transcending life and death. Uh, and you say that with, with like a confidence. And so I just wanted to unpack how you got to that place? Is there like a lineage or tradition? Um, I don't know who in my life talks this experience. way. I think maybe my grandmother, my dad's hmm. mother. I think she kind of talks Shout about that. Shout out grandma. Shout out grandma. You know, the coolest of moms. Um, <laughs> so the other day I was, I'm always at the bar. <laughs> I was at Jeffrey's Club. <laughs> and I was feeling good. I was, you know, in the back, socialized. I love to social. I talk to people. This yeah. is what I do. This mm-hmm. is like, this is how I get all my information. It's how I implant information into other people's heads. But this guy asked me, you know, what does your name mean? You know, I'm like, Eric, what is it? I don't know what Eric means. <laughs> I'm like, that's a white man name that they gave me. You know, I was like, <laughs> All this, like, resistance at first. And then it's like, girl, you just don't know what your name means. So you just, won't you pick out your phone and look it up? So I looked up <laughs> Eric. And the ick part, I think, as, like, a king, like, ruler. Mm-hmm. And the heir, like, means eternal. Mm. So my name literally means eternal ruler. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> E-R-I-K, Eric. I think it's, I don't know, maybe ordained by God or the universe. But I have been um, sent here to lead people into a place of understanding so that the next level can be created, the next universe can be created, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the next portal can be opened. And part of doing that is um, through, you know, ruling in the ways that I rule, which is usually through my voice, right? My mm-hmm. music, my my MCs, my lyrics, but also through Futurehood and, like, pushing other people's voices forward. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's just, like, the cosmos 
at work mm-hmm. where, where I get that kind of like certainty mm-hmm. um, <laughs> from where I speak. Also, I just kind of feel like maybe when I was a kid, I got a lot of like remarks on my English homework. Like, this is passive. This is passive. And that mm-hmm. bothered the fuck out of me. <laughs> and I think I still write like with a lot of passive statements. And I hate that because I'm like, don't be passive. Like, yeah. because, because, because I often felt as a young person like walked over and things like that mm-hmm. and like not heard. And like, that's why I spend so much time creating spaces for people right. to be heard. And so like, I don't want to be passive. Otherwise, I do think there is power in soft, you know, softness. And so. But softness and passivity. You can, you can yeah. be actively soft. soft. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to be actively soft. <laughs> that's no, I'm with you. <laughs> and that's why we're happy to introduce the new Ergo Skin Roots skincare routine. <laughs> actively soft. <laughs> no, literally I'm trying to create like a cool mom bomb. <laughs> and maybe we'll have an actively soft agent that we add. <laughs> shout out to shout out to Patty Butter. Shout out. <laughs> shout out to Roy Kinsey. Shout Absolutely. out to Futurehood. Shout out to Chicago. Yeah. Shout I out mean, to my mama. Absolutely. Shout out to moms for sure. We hit the shout out portion of the show. I think yeah. that's a good place to, I love to it. call it. Yeah, yeah. Any last pieces that, you know, strands that we talked about that you want to circle back to or, or things that stick out from what we talked about today? Um, We've been all over the place. I love it. I know. I love it too. But I still, like, I, I have these tattoos, these, like, two, like, almost like two parts of a circle. <laughs> it, Part of my work, right, what I do is always coming full circle because mm-hmm. that's what time is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically would like to end with the idea that everything that you put out into the world, you get back. You were asking, where am I at in time mm-hmm. and space? And, like, what am I getting back from the world? And I'm getting back from the world everything that I put out. Be careful what you wish for. If you don't understand why you're wishing for something, right, or what comes with those wishes, and I think— a lot of times people get lost in that second part, like what comes with fame, what comes with, you know, wanting to be the center of attention or whatever the case may be. Try and sit with like the, you know, what the cause and the effects could be of your desires and then truly find the best ways to articulate those desires because Mm -hmm. it will come to you. And I know when I'm managing my colony in space... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I will <laughs> that I will be the one to blame and and so like the responsibility behind getting up and doing the work that you know you, you have to do every day is solely on you um so mm. just like I say be careful um or be cautious and be safe mm. be la- happy yeah <laughs> one last question at the bar at your spot in space what's, <sighs> what's the like signature cocktail water Ooh. perfect Beautiful. That's, that's good. <laughs> Hello, we're in space. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, this shit is snagging. <laughs> Do I check out? Yeah, let's go. All out right. Here. So, we're, we're, we're building a new practice of, of doing a, a checkout slash reflection. Mm-hmm. So, one thing from all of us that we are either thinking or feeling coming out of this time we've had together. I'm just thinking about the the whole time loop situation. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the power of conversation mm-hmm. uh, it could be about the smallest things and it could it could bring so much joy and, and light and uh knowledge awareness and validation to one's experience and so like i'm talking about myself at the bars and all these mm-hmm. conversations with my mother and i'm mm-hmm. talking to you yeah. and i was listening to you guys talking to roy and i'm like yeah it's all conversation it's like mm-hmm. the power of conversation yeah. is really where like life and begins i agree Something that's that's lingering for me that we didn't like go in depth on, 
but you said earlier, I don't know if you were being silly or not, but like something about the the importance of stupidity or something like that. Oh yeah, we were supposed to go back there. Yeah, let's do I it. Just, let's do it. That's I just what I think check that out. like <laughs> co- comedians and like being able to be laughed at and being able to laugh at yourself or even like acting out of ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. And like then coming to an awareness of that ignorance. Like you can't be aware if not you don't come from a place of stupidity yep. or like ignorance. Like and if we all want to be hip, huh? hip hip hop and aware (laughs) of the world then we have to recognize that we are all stupid you know Mm -hmm. you're a babe you learn how to walk and crawl and goo goo gaga and all that and like not to look at like youth or anything like that as far as like a lack of knowledge right Mm because we all know that the youth have all of the information already Mm -hmm. we just Mm -hmm. kind of like block them from getting to it Mm -hmm. um the fact that we all have those blocks right those those influences trying to dumb us down um I'd rather be stupid than be dumb. So I like that. All knowledge comes from ignorance is something that I've been like meditating. Right. Anything you know, you didn't know before. Yeah. And it is from that awareness of not knowing that allows the process to learn something. Well, then also the more you learn, truly learn, the more you realize how much you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And so we all are back into that. Ooh, look, we did it again. So so that's my checkout thing. We about to get out of here? Yeah, let's let's do do it. it. R&B singers, we still got beef. We putting y'all on hold. Uh, I'd say a few more weeks. A few more weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Give it it some We have a game where we start beef with an R&B singer at the end of each episode, but... In, in in light of recent of the moment we're, we're putting it on hiatus but we they, they still got the smoke yeah just um. as, in, as a whole <laughs> and we'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative much love to the people peace hello friends it's Kiss here I've recently been trying to step my fashion game up and, and the look that I've kind of settled on is Spy on his day off so like they got the turtleneck, I got like the nice coat over it, the leather gloves, like I spent all day like fighting the KGB, but I'm taking the afternoon off. If that's the look that you've got going on, or you just want to be in a spy inspired themed restaurant, the safe house inspires you to experience Chicago's number one spy themed bar and restaurant located in the heart of River North. Your next late night mission should include a stop at the safe house. You can sip on giant shareable cocktails, dance the night away to our live DJ, and exit through the top secret laser maze. Name Chicago's most Instagrammable restaurant. That's an interesting Yelp category. Don't miss out on the fun every Friday and Saturday night. For more info, visit safehousechicago.com.